us to do something. Earlier this year, Netflix released a movie called Cuties, and uh, it quickly got a lot of attention because the promotional poster for it was absolutely perverted. Lots of highly sexualized little girls on this movie poster. It turns out it wasn't just the poster though, it was the whole movie, irredeemably sexualizing little girls. And the point that they were trying to make with the best of intentions and the worst of methods was that sexualizing little girls is wrong. And so they made a movie about sexualizing little girls and how bad it is by sexualizing little girls. Lila Rose uh, from uh, America said, you don't fight child exploitation by exploiting children. You don't stop child pornography by creating, selling and distributing child pornography. Uh, and lots of articles, including on The Good Source, were written which basically said exactly that. Uh, we need to demand Netflix cancels this and if they don't, we need to vote with our feet. But it's worse than uh, just being bad taste or some kind of uh, content that uh, we don't like. It's actually illegal content. And so Wendy Francis from the Australian Christian Lobby, the director for Northern Territory and Queensland, has been leading that charge, communicating with the Federal Communications Minister and even the Australian Federal Police to uh, see what can be done about this uh, terrible oversight by the Australian Classifications Board. Uh, and so joining me right now is Wendy Francis. Wendy, thank you so much for joining Pello Talk tonight. Tell me what's the latest news? Have conservatives just dropped the ball on this? Or is there still an ongoing effort and attention to get this illegal and, and highly objectionable content about sexualizing little girls off our TV screens and, and off the media options for Australians? Yeah, I understand your question because it seems to have gone a little bit quiet on, on the cuties front. But no, absolutely, we haven't dropped the ball on this. And we are continuing the fight and will continue the fight. The, the actual movie Cuties has now been in Australian on Australian Netflix screens since September. And so in one way, uh, we haven't been successful in getting this movie taken down. But we have been successful in raising the issue with the Australian Federal Police. Certainly, we, we managed to get a, a reconsideration of the, um, the rating through the classification board. They once again came back with MA15 Plus deciding that this child pornography was actually um, good Horrific. viewing for adults. Um, and I do believe that it is, that, that is my opinion, that it is, that it is illegal content. When you say it's illegal content, Dave, um, I just want to, for your viewers, can I just um, read out the relevant legal requirement that we believe that this movie cannot pass the test of? Yes, it's, please. Now, I, I use strong language where, it's, where I believe it's accurate. Uh, yep. I don't want to pull any punches, uh, and, and I've had some editorials recently which were very strongly worded, but again, I, I thought hours in writing those words uh, because I, I don't want to just polemicise, I want to be accurate with that word, and, and so I don't say illegal or unlawful flippantly. Um, please tell us why you believe uh, the Cuties movie goes against Australian law. And, and I appreciate what you're saying, and I feel exactly the same. 
in our code, child abuse material is clearly against the law. Um, mm -hmm. Viewing any child abuse material is. And then child abuse material is classified as the following, and I'm quoting now from our legal code. Child abuse material includes material that depicts a person or a representation of a person who is or appears to be under 18 years of age and who is engaged in or appears to be engaged in a sexual pose or sexual activity. And it goes on to say whether or not in the presence of other persons. So it's clearly, uh, for me, this, this movie has crossed that line. Uh, there is no need for me to go in and explain the movie again. I think we've done that ad nauseum. Uh, but this movie clearly crosses that line and has clearly crossed the line of, of illegality. And what we can't accept here in Australia is for child pornography to be made legal in any way. And, and I believe that this movie has done that. Absolutely. Well, joining the Pello Talk live panel tonight is Damien Curry and Hi, Matthew Hi. Wong and Alexandra Marshall. Welcome to you all. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Manny Goldstein says it won't be long before we're denounced as bigots, threatening to ruin our livelihoods and have us arrested if we oppose pedosexuality. Uh, Ellie, you've written a fair bit about this movie. Are we just being prudes? Are we anti-free speech and pro-censorship after all? Or is there genuine concerns that every Australian citizen should be concerned about? Well, look, as I said in my article that I wrote for my blog when this uh, first came out, the actual content itself is not something, something that we would normally ban, provided it was filmed with adult actresses, which is normally how uh, Hollywood is meant to deal with sensitive topics like this. You just take older actresses and age them down so that they look more the part. And audiences accept that that is a, a, a reasonable way of depicting this kind of difficult content. And also, if it was written in a book, no one would have any problem with it because it doesn't involve any harm to actual little girls. The problem here is that the actresses themselves are very, very young, and what's being done to them is exploitation. And there are a few American lawyers wondering if Netflix was itself uh, guilty of child exploitation in that it was distributing uh, what could constitute child pornography. And uh, I think they have a very valid point. I mean, you don't show animal abuse by conducting animal abuse. It's not how it works. And so I think we have to take a line at cuties and say, look, what you've actually done is abusive to children and it's not allowed in our culture. Matthew, you consider yourself, uh, I guess, uh, closely aligned with some of Alexandra's um, political sympathies as a libertarian. What say you on the question of censorship versus illegal content on, on what you know about the uh, Cuties movie? Well, that's the question here is not really, people aren't gonna fight for the illegality of it. If you think about popular culture, this is more a cultural question. Is this something we accept as a society? And of course, you're gonna find a major uh, majority in Australians that are gonna say, no, this is not right. And we've already seen that kind of a backlash. And so I'm, I guess I'm more interested in, it's good that I think it is in fact going to be classified as illegal. But I think uh, if you just apply the simple pub test, this is not right. Uh, what we're doing and I think we're in the majority when we say that. Yeah. Wendy, what hope is there of actually finding a positive outcome for this, albeit a, a little belatedly or a lot belatedly? Uh, you've said the classification board 
doesn't, even after a second look, won't give it a, a higher than um, 15 plus rating. Um, but what about the other avenues, parliaments, politicians, police? Yeah, thanks, Dave. The ball's actually at the moment in the court of the Australian Federal Police and also Peter Dutton. Um, but there, there, are, there is some good news. Uh, there is a senator in South Australia who has really taken this up. He has con um, conduct, um, conducted his own sort of mini campaign, uh, I would say, and he's approached the Paul Fletcher, who's the communications minister. I've also been in touch with Paul Fletcher. But what um, this, the, so the senator's name is, um, I'm just looking because he's not, it's Alex Antic. So I just wanted to get that right. South Australian Senator Alex Antic. He um, is actually the chair of the Joint Committee on Law Enforcement. And what he has proposed is that we have a federal inquiry in relation to this topic. Uh, so that would be a really good outcome because not only would we be just looking at the one movie Cuties, but going forward, so that's it's one of the concerns that I have is that we are setting mm. a precedent with this movie of allowing this type of exploitation of children on our screens. And so Alex wants to actually take it to an inquiry, um, do a, a, you know, have an inquiry, get people to comment, but also then relate it back to cuties, but also going forward, what would be acceptable on Australians, on Australian screens. Well, that would be a productive outcome because mm. certainly 99% of the damage that the movie was going to do will have mm. been done. Did you say, how long ago was it? September this year? Yeah, September in Australia. And, and as you said, look, sometimes I think uh, for me as a lobbyist too, we can be concentrating on putting out spot fires and um, this is a pretty big spot fire. But if we can actually affect the ongoing, like the classification, because for me the classification board is just completely corrupt. It's just bankrupt of any morality. So if we can mm -hmm. affect that, it's a bigger fire to put out, not just a little spot fire. And that speaks to yeah. your point, Matthew, about... Uh, this being an important chapter in the culture war, not just about the illegality of it, but but actually laws that reflect and, and policy implementation reflecting the values of the majority of Australians who might find this distasteful. I, I wonder, Damien, do you think the majority of Australians find this distasteful um, and to what extent, to the extent of uh, being prepared to boycott Netflix and take their money elsewhere. I personally have sworn mm. off Netflix for the foreseeable future and am giving my money to another streaming platform, Amazon Prime. Um, and I'm sure no company's perfect, but I really wanted Netflix to get a message from me and, and here, I'm out of here, I'm taking my money elsewhere because of the, specifically because of the decision you made in regards to continuing to host this vile content. Yeah, look, I, I did the same thing, David. I, I cancelled my Netflix um, membership. I decided to do it for two months. Um, it was all my kids could tolerate. Uh, but we did it for two months. And Netflix suffered financial loss as a result of this. They, they suffered significant uh, financial loss. And I was surprised that they didn't act more dramatically to, to remove this. Mm. This is not, you know, I'm a free speech advocate. I'm libertarian light uh but there are lines that can't be crossed in our culture and at the moment we are taking the argument of art uh you know art should be controversial at times it should push the envelope at times but there are fundamental shared values of of decency that i think we can all agree 
Um, and and I, I slightly differ with Alexandra on this issue in that I think that the whether they'd use child actors or not, uh, we're representing children here. And we're representing children in a sexualized way. So even if they had used adult actors and aged them down, uh, I still think this is inappropriate um, to be out there and available uh, for for people to watch. It's very hard as a parent these days also to constantly police what your children are watching. We don't have that shared mm. living room watching environment anymore. Everyone's sort of got their own device and watches on their own device. Um, and it's particularly difficult if, like me, you've got kids in that middle age where, you know, they're, they're, they're too um, old to put the restriction on. Um, uh, otherwise, they'd be able to watch nothing of, of any value to them. But they're too young to kind of uh, expose to this sort of content. So mm. I think Netflix needs to act a lot more a lot more responsibly and we need to get our act together and get our our, our uh, uh, legal and, and policing situation sorted out quick smart on this because it's 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 uh it shouldn't even be up for debate can i reply to that one? please ellie yeah so i think there's two very different conversations there's what culture finds tasteful and distasteful which is the narrative of the story and that gets to your point about whether or not it should have been the actual story content is wrong and whether or not it was a crime to create it because of the actresses they used and what they yeah. were put through. Yeah. My opinion is that there's a lot of distasteful things on television. Like you have to watch just the average uh, run-of-the-mill UK crime show will depict children being murdered in order to solve a crime story. Now that might be distasteful, but they didn't use, they didn't kill any children to do it would be my, my point there. Um, so I think there's, it's sort of like those extreme French films that used to get with adults. We might not like the content, we might think the content's immoral, but you know, as long as our adults were like, okay, you guys do what you want, we'll choose not to buy your product. But here, it's not really a matter of cancel culture. If Netflix has committed a crime in allowing this content to go out because of how it was made, I don't think that's something that should be left to cancel culture. The authorities should decide, well, actually, you've crossed a line in what you have produced. Therefore, we will fine you um, as any other normal citizen would be done. Like, I was trying to create screenshots for to show how bad it was, and I realised that if I screenshot cuties, I could be done for child porn. That's how bad the shots were yeah. from the film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it shocked when me. He... I, I found it quite shocking to watch. Um, oh, and just and... the record, I thought it was appalling content. I'm just saying that the content story, I think, is up to whether or not, you know, taste, if, you know, if it wants to be out yeah. there, but it was a crime to create it, is my argument here. If there's anybody who doesn't know the content of Cuties, I'd encourage you not to watch it. Instead, go back and watch the previous episode of uh, the Lyle Shelton show in which he interviewed Wendy uh, and showed a clip of Wendy on the Andrew Bolt show, The Bolt Report, uh, and there was a, a pretty detailed discussion of, of the content there, which, as Wendy said, we, we don't need to recap because I think most people do understand just how extremely explicit and gratuitous the, the things the children were asked to act as that was then shown to millions of people. And to Wendy, practice over and over and over again. Oh, just, I'm so glad it wasn't my daughter, but then again... yeah. Uh, I guess I'm not one of those parents. Yeah, when we did jazz ballet, it was nothing like that when we were growing. <laughs> exactly like, right. Nothing like it. Wendy, final no. question on this topic before we move on to the next segment, and uh, thank you for your time. Uh, what can we do to improve the processes that this has dragged on forever? What hope is there of actually... I'm frustrated that this might end up in another inquiry because inquiries seem to cost money, take time and achieve nothing. Yeah. 
and uh, we've got a couple of good examples of that at the moment. I think COVID has interrupted as well, but we do often see really good outcomes from inquiries and they go absolutely nowhere, particularly in this area of sexualisation of children. But I think, you know, what you're doing here tonight is one of the things that people need to be aware of. We need to be joining the conversation. Uh, so, so often the people who are um, drowned, that, that we're our voices of sanity and just um, logic, I think, are being drowned out. We need to rejoin the conversation and be common sense. People need to feel safe to actually say, I hate the whole idea of cuties. But unfortunately, um, as soon as it, it's been said, we have all these other people who are drowning us out, calling us wowsers or whatever they want to call us. The average Australian is absolutely appalled by what happens on the cuties screen or anything like that. We need to be more involved. We need to be speaking to our members of parliament. I've spoken to so many of the members of parliament over this issue and because they don't want, I mean, none of them want me to send it them in the stills. That's exactly right what's already been said. Don't send me mm. the stills of this movie. They don't want to have them on their computer. Um, and, and most of them don't even want to watch it. But we have to actually be prepared to speak up and start getting involved in these things in our public square. Otherwise, we are going to lose a lot more battles. Absolutely. I think that's, can I just say, David, sorry, that, that speaks to, to me, to the whole problem we've got here, which is that we don't have enforcement of the existing laws we have. We don't need new inquiries. We don't need new regulations. We don't need new laws. We've got plenty of them. They're all there. Just enforce what we've got, and this wouldn't be on the screen. So exactly I, right. you know, I think we're all in, in agreement on that. Yeah, you know, I've, said, I've said to some of the MPs, explain to me how this movie does not contravene these laws. Please explain to me how it possibly does not contravene the laws. And they can't explain that, but they're still, they go back to, well, we've got the classification board and they've, they've classified it MA15+, so really our hands are tied because that's the vehicle that we use to decide whether it's acceptable or not. I'm, I'm sure if it was... Uh... A, a more virtue signalling woke issue that achieved a better media attention. Uh, there would be more doorstops and more parliamentary speeches about it. And I, I don't accept that the only thing necessary to do or the first thing necessary to do is the classification board. Uh, I think politicians have a megaphone and they should use it and should call uh, law enforcement agencies to perform their duties to the highest standard possible and that children are being exploited on Australian screens against Australian law should not require a bureaucratic process before every single voice in a parliament of 151 uh, speaks out against it with one voice. Yeah. Well said. Wendy Francis, thank you very much for uh, the work you continue to do. If anybody wants more information about the work you are doing, acl.org.au is that the best place sounds good thank you very much for having me dave and thank you it's been a privilege to be on with you guys as well have a good evening i'll be watching now thanks wendy good night thanks, wendy. so i'm uh, excited about our three guests tonight you three because uh, you actually represent a new batch of podcasts and shows being added to the good source. Uh, we love amplifying 
uh, right of center, right thinking voices to the platform to share it with as many people as possible. Uh, each of us promoting all of us in a, in a great team collaborative spirit. Um, and Damien, today your podcast had its first uh, publishing on The Good Source. Uh, you've done 12 without us and we're delighted to uh, be on board with you now. Yeah, we're delighted to be on board as well. It's fantastic. Thank you very much, David. It's um, it's great. Uh, the Other Side Australia is a um, roughly a one-hour weekly show where we try to summarise the news and views or the best news and views uh, from of Australian commentary of the week um, from a centre-right perspective so that you can actually have the news presented to you without uh, a left-wing overlay. Um I decided to start the podcast because uh, I was a, a radio talk show host and radio news presenter and television journalist back in the, the olden days, back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, I'd been living overseas for 20 years, came back and thought, hmm, uh, our media is, is, is really taking a sharp turn to the left. Um, mm. There's an underlying assumption, even with the commercial media, that uh, with, you know, not just the ABC, but with the commercial media that, you know, we are um, a country that accepts left-wing ideology and that's kind of a given. Well, you know, we need to disrupt that, I think. Um, we need to ask some questions that don't get asked and we need to challenge some of the assumptions that go through to the keeper. It's, it's not so much what's being said in the Australian media, I think, as what's not being said. And it's also Correct. who's not appearing. If you look at shows like Q&A, the drum, the project. I mean, where are where's the representation of the centre-right, even the centre-right perspective, let alone the right-wing perspective? Uh, I don't think right-wing is a dirty word. I don't think conservative is a dirty word. Uh, and the fact that even in Australian culture now, calling someone a right-winger is, is, is assumed to be an insult um, speaks to the fact that we really don't have a voice. We don't have enough of a voice uh, for conservative thinkers. Absolutely. Well, today's episode... Uh, what, what I just forgot what it was called. Idiots in Charge uh, <laughs> is uh, yeah, very good. Well. I um, I was listening to it as I could throughout the day, um, and I really wanted to get to the segment at the end uh, with Ellie Melly, of course. Uh, is Ellie yeah. a frequent guest on the other side, Australia? She's on every every week as long as she'll uh, she'll stay on. <laughs> um, so Alexandra helps me run through the stories in Australia. Um, that maybe we don't have time to cover in depth in, in other parts of the show, but we can we can address them and have a quick chat about them. And of course, Alexandra, being you know prolific content producer in her own right, always brings something original and new to the table. So it's great to have her as part of the show. The other regular is our North America uh, expert Ray Rudowski, who's a, a former colleague of mine, a Canadian um, who's obsessed with American politics and and that dialogue and conversation that's going on. So Ray always brings a, a dimension. Um, there that that's that's quick and summarized and easy easy to easy to grasp um, we just spoke about the US election situation um, in recording uh, a segment a mm -hmm. few moments ago and um, you know this is something that's not being talked about in the Australian media at all it's like you know we're just not it's, it's over you know there's yeah. no nothing left to be and it probably is over Joe Biden probably has one but there's a massive story there about actual election fraud and actual problems with the electoral Correct. process that nobody's investigating, nobody's discussing. And that's yeah. that's the gap that I'm hoping that the other side will fill. 
Well, if we get time tonight, we may get there, but for everyone's relief, we're actually uh, going to talk about other things first this evening. But you don't need to miss out. You just need to go to goodsource.news and uh, look for today's episode of The Other Side Australia, um, number 13, with Damien Curry. Matthew, uh, I'm pretty excited about your new media project as well, uh, The People's Project, uh, and uh, looking forward to season two of that also uh, being published on The Good Source. Tell us what we can expect on your show and uh, what you might have planned for season two. Well, uh, I've got to say this Damien person sounds amazing and I'm really looking forward <laughs> to checking out the other side. Uh, so the project is crap, right? And we all know that. And I was, I'm sad that Joe Hildebrand, <laughs> who was supposed to be on tonight, uh, was, is not on tonight because I was going to hassle him for Channel 10 putting out so much rubbish. But the thing is, uh, there is a large demand and hunger for something else, just like what Damien is saying from the centre-right, a reasonable... I don't even know if we're in the center right, but we're certainly more more center than the project. And so we discovered this uh, this this appetite a little while ago, a season ago, and we we created something called Not the Project. And our goal was to topple them. They do about four hundred to seven hundred thousand views on a on a on their big show nights, like on Friday nights, depending on on each week. And we've now got up to about eighty thousand. So we're about you know fifteen percent of the way there to toppling them. And we've only done one season of seven episodes so we cover we have guests on we have you know the COVID medical network on we've had we have usa uk election updates we have doctors and 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 sanjeev sublock you know the the treasurer uh, the um <clears throat> economist who resigned from victorian treasury mm-hmm. we do all this kind of stuff but the key is not not that we get these guests the key is that the conversations we have is, are honest you know we, we we stuff up we say what we think and we have intellectually challenging discussions. The episode that's just aired, I said something to my co-host and he stopped me and said, hey, that stupid little argument you put up, Matt, is a straw man argument and is ridiculous. He was having a fair go at me and he was right. And on air, he, he schooled me on why I made a poor argument. And that's, that's great. People get to see us being intellectually rigorous. And so that's what we do on The People's Project. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. And that comes out when? Friday nights at uh, at seven thirty, but if you put the People's Project into uh, Facebook, you'll you'll find it. Brilliant, and uh, Damien, your show comes out on Fridays as well. Yeah, it's Friday morning, so it's designed to be there for people to have their little uh, commute. Mine's a, a, a an audio podcast. Um, I've got a good face for radio, as I always say, and I love the the radio <laughs> medium um, and what you can do with it. So it enables me to put it together much more quickly than if it was a video podcast and you don't really need to see people talking so uh, you know in this sense um so it's a summary it's a weekly summary of the news um helping people to catch up as they go to go to work on a a friday morning Um, matthew's comment about channel 10 i gotta say being a former channel 10 journalist um there's something really weird going on over there uh it's it's gone incredibly left wing what peter van onselen gets away with i would never have gotten away with in my day um it's quite extraordinary, um, and and it may have something to do with CBS ownership. Um, now that CBS owns Network Ten, I don't know how many Australians are actually aware that CBS owns it. <laughs> um, but there's something strange going on with the project as well, because this is a show that had 1.5, 1.8 million viewers when it first launched, and now it has four hundred thousand. Seven hundred. And nobody's looking at it and saying, 
why yeah. have we still got the show on the air? It would have been axed yeah. if it wasn't a favorite of the of the network or a favorite of the executives for some reason. Yeah. Um, well, as uh, Matthew mentioned, we did advertise and promote that Joe Hildebrand was uh, going to be joining us tonight, but uh, the lefty that lefties love to hate uh, had to offer his apologies at the last minute, and so Ellie Melly was hot seated. <laughs> Uh, and Ellie is a favourite on The Good Source, um, so that's fantastic. Uh, now, as to your comment, uh, Matthew, we have uh, one viewer who dissents. Um, he, James <laughs> McPherson, says, crap, objects to you comparing it with the project. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and you will be able to get uh, both uh, the People's Project and the other side, Australia, with Damien Curry on the Good Source YouTube and podcast channels. Uh, even though Damien's got a good face for radio, we uh, put a photo up <laughs> and I know people that like to listen to our shows without watching through YouTube. Uh, and so we just like to make that info available on as many channels as possible. Uh, so James also said, I haven't read this before putting it up, James. I hope it's uh, PG or MA, whatever that means now. Channel 10 are aiming for the under-18s market and the Greens constituency, <laughs> but I repeat myself. <laughs> hey, you know what they're missing out on and which we're all taking advantage of is Gen Z, Gen Z. So they're rejecting a lot of the idiot millennials, that's me, uh, some of our narratives and some of our things, and they're a lot more conservative and a lot more reasonable, and more importantly, they're a lot more intellectually curious. So there's True. no need to go scraping the bottle of the barrel with TikTok, and I'm a big fan of TikTok. I think it's a hilarious place to hang out in, but they're actually <laughs> craving some of this stuff. Like I can imagine a lot of my Gen Z people that I employ and others that would love to listen to Damien, just the way he's coming across would feed their little hungry intellectual minds. Yep. Yeah, well, look, uh, I've got Gen Z kids. And they uh, can we they, just agree they, it's uh, Zed? Love it, Zed. No, Sorry, it's not Z. Z. there you go. That's the influence Z. of. Oh no, <laughs> I have three cretins on tonight. I'm sorry. How was that? It's Zed. Americans. It's Zed. I have an excuse. Oh, sorry, Z. Two Americans. We're not Canadian. <laughs> Zed. No, but I, I, I have a daughter who uh, every time Greta Thunberg comes on television, she gets very angry and says, you know, this is this is. Um, this is not science, you know, this is not, she's not speaking scientifically, she's not speaking rationally. And that was without any prompting from dad, I, I promise you. So <laughs> I think you're right, Matthew, they are a great generation coming up and I think the millennials are going to get their butts kicked eventually. Good. Well, my nephew well, is that uh, generation, he has no patience for them whatsoever. <laughs> Piers Taylor agrees with me, Zed, guys, Zed. Yes, I, I agree with you too, Piers, Zed. Uh, I'd need to... Uh, point out my green credentials because uh, conservatives do it without trying. Uh, the wall behind me is uh, recycled timber, environmentally friendly, and uh, we call it the Greta Thunberg wall because it's uh, environmentally friendly and highly distressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor kid. Talk about child Zed, abuse. The other is Americanese mama, I agree. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have a debate about Z or Z. Depends if you grew up watching Sesame Street or Play School. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hoping demographics. Oh, look, uh, let's move on. I want to talk about, uh, Ellie, you take the lead. Let's talk about the 
the great Kevin Rudd Murdoch conspiracy theory. You didn't promo me. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So this is why I asked you to take over. Uh, Those people who've been commenting tonight who love Ellie Melly, Alexandra Marshall on The Good Source, Pillow Talk Live, uh, The Other Side, and uh, maybe, if he's lucky, The People's Project once or twice, um, you'll be pleased to know that Ellie Melly is starting, announced on The Other Side podcast today, this week, uh, that she's starting a podcast with The Good Source called Curtain Call. Ellie? Tell us what, why somebody would listen to Curtain Call. Okay, so this is my theatrical side coming out a little bit here, back when I had aspirations of being an actor. Um, Curtain Call is about going behind the curtain on the stars of the cultural wars. So that is taking uh, some of our uh, icons in the culture wars and asking them some interesting questions about who they are, where they came from, and what they think of our current cultural environment. And so we've got some big stars from TV, we've got some interesting people online, we've got some internet stars, we've of course, I've I've roped uh, Curry into it, he'll be my guest this week, Um, and we've got politicians coming on as well, so it's meant to be a short, so probably uh, 15 minutes uh, filmed podcast in which we get to explore and get to know some of our culture warriors a bit better, so it's not so much about the topic so much as the people themselves, because I think if we're all going to be in this fight together, we need to know who's out there what they think and where they came from and and create a sense of community around uh, each other and uh, help spread awareness about voices you may not have heard. I know one of my future interviewers is actually watching tonight, The Atheist Pastor, and I think he'll be a very interesting interview as well. That's awesome. I can't wait to see that. I see him in comments often and uh, looking forward to uh, getting to know his story a little bit. I'm jealous, Ellie. You have got so many really great interviews lined up. Uh, who's in the yeah, first I, I didn't. You were worried about me for a while because I was quiet and I hadn't done it yet. And then all of a sudden I've rung you like every two days, book this person in, book this person in. And you're like, leave me alone, go away. <laughs> uh, you're telling a good story there. It's the dramatic side continues. I was very happy to let you take your time. Uh, so look at, to the viewers, um, there's probably lots of people we could put on the good source. But if you know somebody who you think uh, really should be on and it's the crime of the century that they're not, Uh, send an email to editor at goodsource.news with a link to some of their shows and uh, we might uh, review their material and if they make the grade, uh, then um, reach out to them and see if there's something we can do together because we want to continue helping promote and amplifying those independent voices that are thinking right and open to a civil and sincere debate about important public issues. Ellie, who's on your first episode and when can we expect that to be published? Okay, so the first episode has already been filmed. I'm just trying to create my intros and things. And that will be the Honourable Gary Hardgrave, be our first guest. And he is a great interview, got a very interesting story. And I hope you'll all join me uh, for our promo, our premiere episode. And do you think uh, we can announce a date yet, a deadline, a particular day of the week (laughs) that uh, coming soon? doing this right now I would be editing my intro so I'm going to push it back till probably Thursday I'm fingers crossed so okay we will try and get curtain call pilot episode to the good source audience before December (laughs) it'll be before December well you know uh, over promise under promise over deliver (laughs) it'll be by Friday 
it'll be by Friday. That's exciting. Now, what I want to move to is uh, probably a really big topic, and uh, that's uh, in the world of conspiracy theories. This is a cracker. Uh, the Murdoch media are conspiring against the Labor Party, uh, giving them bad press on purpose uh, for I'm not sure what reasons. Ellie, what is going on in this uh, Kevin Rudd thought bubble? Well, uh, Kevin Rudd loved the Murdoch press while ever the Murdoch press loved him. But when his political mistakes started to stack up and the people turned against him, like pink bats, like all those random school halls he decided to have, all sorts of things. Well, then the Murdoch press turned against him along with the people. And while they were chuckling over their morning coffees at some fabulous headlines, Kevin Rudd decided that he didn't like the Murdoch press anymore. And he started this vendetta against Murdoch. I think it was 2018 in September, so a long time ago, and nobody paid him any attention whatsoever. Uh, and in his original tweet, which I dug up and uh, brought back for everybody's entertainment, he posted, I think it was 12 Murdoch article covers with hilarious headlines to at his expense, completely earned, in which he said this was some kind of conspiracy against him because uh, a newspaper said mean things about him. And if I was him... I would not be digging up my political mistakes and making sure that everyone remembered just how bad I was when I was in politics. It's, it's hilarious. I, I think the thing that uh, stands out to me the most is that Kevin Rudd's narrative around the Murdoch media sounds very similar to Donald Trump's narrative around CNN. Um, I wonder what Kevin Rudd thinks of Donald Trump's um, claims about uh, well, media being the enemy of the people. Uh, is he perhaps finding Donald Trump a role model that he wants to emulate, a channel? I Ellie, don't think he'd appreciate What was that line you said your... about um, that this afternoon? You told me I could steal it, but I actually can't remember it. Oh, I can't remember it either, but I do know that we're talking conspiracy theories and Kevin Rudd. He had a great one that I think the other side featured, which was that he thought that uh, Murdoch had conspired with the Ukraine in order to create the laptop story around Hunter Biden in order to cost Biden the election, that somehow Murdoch had done that. And he actually put that in a radio broadcast with the ABC. And uh, this is where yeah. his bad headlines come from. I have to say he does write his own headlines. Atheist pastor says Kevin Rudd is just trying to make himself relevant again because he's bored and stuck in Australia. Mm. When and they wouldn't make him Secretary General of the United Nations. He didn't get his little post that he wanted. Exactly right. Damien, what are some of the things you and Ellie discussed uh, about um, the Murdoch conspiracy theory on your podcast today? Yeah, well, this was a couple of weeks back. I think we, um, what was it, last week, Ellie? I can't remember, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> From my perspective, this, I mean, as a journalist um, who grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, Murdoch was painted as a bit of a villain um, because he had control of the printing presses in Australia. So because he had the means of production pretty much wrapped up, it was very hard to start a newspaper to compete with the Murdoch media. Um, and in those days, we did have relatively strong alternative media going on around the place. Um it is there is a there is an issue with media diversity in Australia, or there was an issue with media diversity in Australia. There isn't any more because now we have the internet. So if Kevin Rudd mm. um, has got some concerns, then you know, and there are ways to he set can up start the ruddy press. Waste, and he had plenty of opportunity. <laughs> what was that? He could start the ruddy press, his own newspaper. But 
Um, the ruddy press, exactly. Yes, the ruddy press. Um, but you know, there's plenty of opportunity uh, for people to to you know start to invest in their own things. I mean, people. Murdoch's popular, and Murdoch is successful because Murdoch has gone through the test of the market over and over and over again, and has uh, you know won people's support with their you know, one or two or three dollars that they pay for the paper. Um, and it's a very difficult time in the newspaper industry. I mean, no one's making a fortune out of the newspaper industry anymore. They're, they're battling to, to sort of hang on. But Labor had plenty of opportunity. I remember interviewing Gareth Evans back in, gosh, 1987 and saying to him when I was a kid, you know, um, Minister, why don't you open up the radio spectrum? New Zealand have deregulated their radio spectrum. Why don't you open up the radio spectrum and let it be a free commercial market back in those days? Uh, and, and they were very resistant to do that because they want to be able to control the message and be able to control the media. So they want to keep the media small. Um, and, and, you know, so I think it's just, it's just absolute hypocrisy. Also, we're sitting here in a country where we have a $1 billion monster uh, media empire, multi-tentacled, yes. a kraken, if you like, that's out there. Um, you know, with tentacles in everything and in every type of media presenting that is so culturally embedded in the left-wing ideology that they can't see the wood for the trees. Uh, they, they have no idea that they are biased because they can't see the bias themselves because they're deeply embedded in it. It's, it's a cultural yeah. problem at the ABC that we've really got to fix. That's where we should be starting with our questioning. We should be starting with the, with the media outlet we're all paying for first uh, and that we don't have any choice in paying for let's look at that one first then we'll go to the ones you know where we have free market uh, because if any of us don't like murdoch's content we can happily not purchase his publications yeah exactly right matthew how much is the internet part of media diversification um, necessity or media monopolization interruption is new media the solution come on it's everything mate you got to look at how many people watch some known like this no name show taking on the project to whatever you know that's crazy look how many people are watching joe rogan look how many people are watching uh dave rubin they're getting more people than cnn this is crazy and the and, and the thing is the money is still not moved into new media so we just saw joe rogan he, with his big deal with spotify what was a hundred million two hundred million whatever mm-hmm. apple podcasts have gone after someone big as well with a similar big deal i can't remember who it was or how much it was but the point is they're starting to catch on now but as gary vanichuk says He's still having meetings as a, as a big digital agency at um, VaynerMedia. They are still trying to convince these big giant, you know, Coca-Cola and friends that the, the eyeballs, the attention is in these new media platforms because purely statistically it is. And yet there's this cultural inertia where they're not willing to spend on it. So we have this amazing opportunity right now where no names like myself can get something up in a couple of months and have massive traction. Uh, so I think this is really the solution uh, going forward because I haven't owned a TV. Well, I've got a T, I've got a few TVs in my house, but none of them are plugged into the wall. Not a single one since 2008 hmm. when I got married. A hundred percent of my content consumption has been on demand through the internet. Now I may have been early, but you look around. How, how many of us have landlines? How many of us plug into free to wear? It's dying, and I, I think that those who embrace this this new way are going to catch this new. Uh, this rising this rising demand this wave I, I don't i don't think i don't understand why we're even debating it i, I don't get it yeah 
Uh, now I want to just bring up a comment here. I just I was so, going to say um, you might know this thanks. um Damien, but the reason that they won't open up the market for radio stations like you say is because Australia actually throttles their radio stations for radio astronomy. So when I worked in collaboration with NASA, um, we were doing uh, radio projects um, and we learned that they they won't release anything more because they want to protect radio astronomy bands in Australia. That's why we got oh. the SKA contract for the largest telescope on Earth is in Western Australia because we protected our radio bands. So, yeah, you're limited yeah. to what you've got. I've got my interest to you. It's actually because of something matter. completely different. <laughs> Those days, in the olden days, it mattered. Not so much now, I guess. Yeah. But I thought that makes this uh, good comment. She says, did anyone see Rudy Giuliani's response to a journalist when she said she was from CNN at the recent press conference about voting fraud? Did not. Uh, and there we have it. <laughs> I need to stop that playing now. <laughs> uh, it just loops. Uh, that could keep you laughing for a long time. Uh, on our supporters page, I've got a photo of a CNN um, bottom third little ticker, which was uh, complaining that the president had two Trump, uh, two Trumps, two scoops of ice cream while everyone else had just one, because that was the headline for the day. Uh, so yeah okay well um, we were just speaking about something and I had a really great segue in mind um, new media new media um, I can't remember exactly what it was um, however the thing I wanted to talk about and we'll just go there roughly is uh, tomorrow night on The Good Source we have Mundine's Truth Talking uh, we're going to be talking I'm actually going to be uh, producing, I won't be on the show, but uh, Warren Mundine will have a couple of Indigenous panellists and they will be auditing Indigenous policy. Uh, a lot of money gets uh, spent on trying to close the gap and, and find solutions and uh, more government may not actually be the answer that we were looking for. So Warren Mundine is going to be exploring that tomorrow night. Same time here on The Good Source, YouTube, Facebook and uh, website so um, please make sure you tune in for that better than mainstream media and uh, I remember now the uh, link between that conversation and Mundine's truth talking a recent episode of Mundine's truth talking which you should still go back and watch if you haven't watched it was he had the three cartoonists from different newspapers around the country um, and the, the political satirical cartoonists and uh, one of them obviously worked for Murdoch News or, or two um, and uh, they were discussing the conspiracy theory where uh, people actually believe Rupert Murdoch rings up and tells them what to draw and uh, what's approved and, and what, what isn't um, and one of them um, said that he's worked in his newspaper for decades and not once has there ever been a direction. In fact, there was only once where the guy was in the building and uh, he was asked to show him what the, build, what the cartoon for tomorrow was. But it wasn't out of editorial control. It was just out of curiosity. Um, so he, they, they put to bed 
um, unless you're going to call them liars to their face, this myth that uh, Rupert exerts some kind of uh, editorial control. It could just be that Kevin Rudd's prime ministership was um, particularly worth writing about in a negative sense. Um, so there's that. Well, I've been on Murdoch shows before, and you're lucky if you get a run sheet, let alone a uh, a type list of <laughs> edicts that you have to proclaim. I mean, it's just rubbish. It's complete fiction. Yeah, yeah. I think and I think there is there is influence, right? I mean, he will he will indicate a particular, uh, especially with Fox News in the United States. I mean, there is sort of a subtle influence that that people understand. Um, but he didn't have to do that with Roger Isles in charge at Fox, right? He didn't have to do it. Um, in, in various other places where he had the right people in place that he wanted to have in place. But it's absolutely his right to run, um, as I say, it's a free market. Um, as long as he's not dominating the means of production, as long as you can set up and to, to compete, uh, then then he can print whatever he likes. We're supposed to live in a, in a pluralistic society. And it mm. seems in Australia, at least, if you have a position that doesn't, connect with the with the with the left or the center left or the woke philosophy which is the worst of the worst um then you're you're a far right lunatic you know i mean it's it's insane we've got to bring some plurality back to our public discourse in australia well look your point your point about printing presses was very good because right now everyone's worried about twitter and facebook but we should be worried about uh the people who own the servers which host all of our websites which yep. are predominantly Amazon, and they are all—they have already been caught kicking people off servers if they don't like the content of the platforms they are publishing. And so, some wow. other companies had to go and buy their own servers in order to compete. So, we have a, there's a whole discussion there about means production regarding servers that no one's even really thought about because a lot of the mainstream press don't understand how the new content is hosted or how online content works and which laws it is subject to which is actually the laws depending on where its servers are hosted, yeah. Yeah. which is usually there was, America. There were a few uh, comments um, a bit higher up in the show uh, where people were saying, if Murdoch's leaning on the narrative, uh, both Fox in America and Sky in Australia, it's particularly anti-Trump right now. So I'm not exactly sure what this uh, Royal Commission is going to turn up in, in any particular sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a diverse range of views. If you look at Hannity, if you watch Hannity, if you watch, um, you know, the man who I think is the best uh, broadcaster uh, uh, of all on on uh, Fox at the moment, um, you know, is the is the uh, his name has just escaped me because I need to remember it right now, which is what Tucker happened. Carlson. Uh, Tucker Carlson. Thank you very much. Um, you know, Tucker's program uh, presents quite balanced views and, and is, is very well structured, very well written, hilarious. If you haven't seen Tucker Carlson talking about Barack Obama's new book, uh, that clip is out <laughs> there on YouTube now and it's, it's hilarious. So after the show tonight, make sure you check that one out. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think there's, there's a broad range of views out there um, and, and people, people are free to choose, especially nowadays. And I don't think we need to be worrying at all about, uh, about this. The thing we do need to be, and I keep coming back to it, is... The ABC, which we're all forced to pay for, uh, and yes. it's a billion dollars of taxpayers' money, and we are supporting. I mean, the time to reform the ABC for this government was a year and a half ago. It was mm -hmm. May 19, 2019, the day after they won the election. Because every time we go to an election with the ABC, we are, as conservatives, we have got 
and I'm not that conservative, I'm, I call myself centre-right, but we are going to the elections with one arm tied behind our backs mm-hmm. when we're faced with the ABC. And it's not, it's not a fair fight. You know, you're battling this monolith and it's got to be fixed, it's got to be corrected because it's just becoming more and more and more crazy and nobody's reining it in. Um, Matthew, what do you think about the funding of the ABC? Is it a, a battle that's wageable? Can we gain any ground in that if, if not getting the complete defunding? When you say Matthew, you meant Damien Curry, right? <laughs> no, no. What's what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, there's I've been a tracking... conversation to be had here. I, I'd hope there's in principle agreement, uh, given we're all right of centre and we we you know loathe our tax dollars being used for purposes that we morally object to. Um, but talk practically and pragmatically. Is this an achievable political agenda? to any degree, great or small. Yeah, I had uh, Gideon Rosner on this show recently. He, he made a really good point about the left are good at telling stories and the right are terrible. Uh, you know, they, they, they spew facts back which don't move the heart. And unfortunately, a great, percent, a great majority of our, of our um, voting, um, our, of our electorate, uh, are swayed by the, the things you hear before an election like, uh, you know, hands off our ABC or don't kill auntie, you know, this kind of stuff. And so just like we've heard from Damien, the time to cut it was, was long ago. I, I wouldn't suggest any cuts now. And, and, and again, when we speak of cuts, you remember last time, this was back in the Abbott years, uh, when there was, a, a, there was an indexation increase on the ABC and, and I think there was an increase beyond indexation as well built in and Abbott just wanted to freeze it for a year or two or four or whatever it was. And that was spun by the Labor Party as taking an axe to auntie cutting the mm. abc and we that's emotive the scary language part. very emotive but the scary part is not that they would dare do that it's that it worked right that's the scary part the electorate got spooked and so i think we have to be much better at telling stories like gideon says uh and that's why you know i fight culture wars and and you know you often ask me a question and i feel like a bit of an idiot sometimes because i don't really talk about facts even though i love facts i more think about how can we move the hearts and minds of people because at the end of the day that's what actually gets change done in our in our crazy world and it's a really good point absolutely i'm starting my little anti-abc culture wars fight with my um I coined a hashtag a while ago called Go Fund Yourselves based upon the BBC's uh, where they were made a voluntary subscription and saw their membership halve almost overnight because people have been wanting to get rid of that for a long time. So in the new year, I'm releasing my merchandise, which I don't know if your viewers can see, which is the Go Fund Yourselves mug. And I've also got a great little jumper as well I was going to wear, but it's too hot tonight. So um, <laughs> I think we should I do it by, gonna... I, I think by humor, I think is the best way for it. Sorry, what? I think, I think Matthew's exactly right. Um, that we've got to we've got to change the 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 narrative, change the story. The story is not to cut the ABC. The story is to save the ABC. Uh, nice. This is an iconic Australian brand that carries enormous value, not just brand you know marketing terms brand value, but but the soul of the nation. Uh, you know the history of the ABC was so. When I worked at the ABC, there were grown ups in the room to temper us young. Uh, and I was a bit of a young lefty in those days. So growing up in Joby Occupations, Queensland, as a city boy, I, I didn't like a lot of what went on in those days. And I, I, I was a little left-leaning, I suppose, and 
supported the Fitzgerald inquiry and all of that. Um, <laughs> but there were people, there were adults in the room to temper that, uh, to say, well, hang on a moment, you know, there was a conservative side to the ABC, which was the traditional uh, intellectual side of the ABC that protected the tr traditional um, uh, history of Australia and cultures of Australia. Um, that's gone. Now the children are in charge of the playground and it's it's out of control. So I think that the, the message is not that we want to ax the ABC. We want to keep all the things where the market fails to deliver, like quality, uh, deep journalism uh, that's not sensationalist, uh, but it's got to be rebalanced. Uh, we need foreign correspondence, which is not commercially viable for a lot of television networks in Australia. They, mm -hmm. We need our own Australians on the ground overseas in different various places reporting for us. We need to protect that. We should protect Four Corners, quality journalism. We should protect... The, the old institutions of the ABC and clean out the rest um, and, and just do what the ABC, make the ABC what it should be, which is the essential service for country and rural services. Uh, also critically important. I know you don't agree with me on that one, Ellie. But no, because you, know, you forced me to watch the Four Corners rubbish show for one of your uh, podcasts and it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was the worst 40 minutes of my life, but I'm not watching it again. Deserves to be it was just, the worst four corners uh, ever. To be fair, to it four was corners. crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a lot that can be done with the ABC. I think it's great. It's a great institution, and and uh, and as Matthew said, we've got we've got to say that we. I mean, my my way of expressing it to people is to say that we we need to uh, create an ABC for all Australians because at the moment we have an ABC that's speaking to half the country only, and we really need to correct that. We need to go out and do some market research, uh, get some data and, and see what people value and what people like and what they don't value and what they don't like and reposition the ABC so that it is speaking to everyone. Because at the moment, it's speaking to the inner city elite. Uh, it's providing a bit of service for the country. And then the average sort of, uh, you know, working class Australian is, is not getting their 25 cents a day worth or whatever it is. You yeah, know what we could yeah. do immediately, really practically, uh, is and it wouldn't cause a lot of political pain, is to, to go ahead with the plan to move it to Parramatta. From Ultimo to Parramatta, because that's one I've of the got, best ideas. Yeah, it's a great idea. So good. I've got contacts within the ABC, and I was questioning them, saying, "Hey, why is it so left-leaning?" They said, "Look, our editors tell us, hey, make sure you're reporting from the other side. I know you're all a little bit left, just make." And they're being encouraged by the editorial teams to, to go out to the right a bit, but the problem is they all live in Newtown and Glebe, and you know places I've lived. And if you move it to Parramatta, bang, suddenly over the next five, 10 years, you're gonna have a massive cultural shift. So just bloody do it already, ScoMo. What's it gonna cost politically? Hardly anything. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Totally agree. Some love uh, for Alexandra in the uh, comments this evening. I hope you're seeing those, Ellie. I'm definitely seeing them. Thank you, everyone. Guys, the media has been taken over by the leftist fools. Surely you can see this has all come down from the universities. Example, Australia is happy to shut down farming on the east coast of Queensland based on false data. The person who spoke about it was sacked from... Hey, I didn't know this was uh, coming up, but thank you, Kel. That's a great comment and a great uh, segue to a promo for tomorrow's episode of The Lyle Shelton Show, where he will be doing an extended interview with uh, Dr. Peter Ridd about the latest developments in his legal battle for academic freedom, uh, taking that battle to the High Court and uh, uh, just re-examining some of those things there. So that's a great conversation to get on The Good Source tomorrow, The Lyle Shelton Show with uh, an interview, interview, extended interview, with uh, Dr. Peter Redd.
read. Carl says Alexandra is the best. Yeah. No love for the guys tonight. Um, it's my turn. Uh, I had a rough turn. one last time, so it's only fair. You had a rough one? I don't believe it. Yeah, Sounds like the story you're telling about my impatience. You were. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I like to think of it as uh, gently supportive. Look, you have to have theatrical people on your show. Politics can't be boring. It's so true. And you know what? We have to... Uh, be able to tell good stories, and you're definitely good at doing that. Well, so the, the great Winston Churchill right was certainly side. not boring. He was an amazing writer. He was a very theatrical person. I think our politicians could learn a lot from their historical betters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on. Uh, there's uh, lots of things to, to talk about, of course, with uh, new media the solutions there. Look, it's probably good before we move on just to pop in the plug for the good source here. Uh, this does happen because of a whole lot of volunteers who are supremely appreciated. Uh, but one of the keys that we have to do as a right of centre people is understand that we're not going to get taxpayer funding. That all goes to their ABC. Uh, what we want is free market um, enterprises and experiments to work. So a huge thank you to those people who do already put their hand in their pocket for five, ten, twenty dollars a month and just support the production of the good source, keeping our platforms and editorials, stories, um, and the media. That's uh, the key difference about this website to other great conservative uh, websites in Australia. We want to bring you the best and freshest of conservative, libertarian, uh, centre-right, classical liberal, right-thinking uh, debates, conversations uh, and, and thinking going on in Australia. So if you'd like more of The Good Source, please head to the website, goodsource.news. Don't just subscribe to our email updates and, and share all of the content there but actually become a supporter of The Good Source so that we can work together to fight fake news. And uh, that will be perhaps the new mug for next year to join Ellie's in uh, The Good Source shop, which needs to be launched. So the historical betters. Who said historical betters? Good job. Good job. Uh, now, we wanted to talk about the unity which is uh, probably a word in the Democrat's mouth uh, with a meaning and translation much like Islam doesn't mean peace as much as it means submission. Uh, can you tell us, Damien, your thoughts on uh, Joe Biden's calls for unity, how that's going and what that's going to look like? Yeah, well, look, um, America's in a bad way um, and we need to... Uh, get to unity somehow, or at least a little bit more of a respectful coexistence or dialogue in the United States, or it's going to have a very bad impact on on all of us, um, especially us here in Australia, because we rely on the United States for our security. There's no question about that. Mm. Um, 20 years in Hong Kong taught me that, um, as does Taiwan, as does Japan, and that line down the Pacific, the Philippines and, and Australia and New Zealand. Um, so, you know, without the United States being strong and without the United States being united in a certain sense uh, uh, and, and to have a united culture, you have to have a certain set of values that you agree on, uh, generally agree on at least. 
uh, and we're seeing a fracturing of that. Now, whether that's been created, I mean, the blame has been put on Donald Trump, which is just ridiculous. Donald Trump was the effect, not the cause of that. This movement, mm -hmm. the Tea Party movement and the movement to the right, the reactionary movement, it was a reaction to the identity politics and critical theory, uh, neo-Marxist sort of movement that had emerged in the country. So let's get the order of things correct. First of all, you know, it was critical theory into the universities in the 60s and then neo-Marxism and then postmodernism and all of that stuff. Um, and, and that infiltrated into the bureaucracy uh, through the baby boomer generation. And then we saw this sort of, you know, decay of traditional values or disrespect for, for it became cool to say that, you know, um, I don't necessarily uh, accept our, our colonial past and, um, you know, to be a little bit cynical about your own culture. And that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of reflection. America did a lot of bad things in the in the 70s. There was a lot of CIA involvement in foreign wars that there shouldn't have been and foreign country meddling and all sorts of, of things that were probably not great that we should be critical of and we should be analyzing. But you've got to have your core that you believe in. You've got to have you, the core of your nation and the core of your culture that you stick to and that you support. Otherwise, your nation will fall apart because a nation is really just a group of people who share values. Um, and what we're seeing with this fracturing of America into this very distinct left and right is, is, is a troubling thing. And it's, it is being actively fueled. There's no question. It's being actively fueled by those states that, that want to see it get worse, like China and, and Russia. They do have um, campaigns that they run to, to uh, it's not a, not a secret, it's not a conspiracy theory. Um, it, it's a reality and they do do these online campaigns and they try to keep to, to you know create that division or accentuate and accelerate that division and amplify it so i think we've got to be careful um that there is some unity and that we restore some unity but we're never going to restore unity while one side is saying to the other be united or else um, unity requires listening to the other mm -hmm. side and at the moment there's not a lot of listening going on from the left um, and, and there's a lot of shouting and there's a lot of screaming and there's a lot of burning things down. There's a lot of anger and it's, it's, and there's a lot of calling people racist, uh, which is becoming infantile and ridiculous. And we've really got to let that go. Um, mm. uh, this, this idea that, you know, everything is racist. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, a pretty racist kind of Australia in the seventies. I, I was teased and called wog at school every single day and bullied and, and whatnot. Um, uh, and I'm half Irish, so there you go. Um, but it, you know, th th there is racism everywhere in every country in the world. Um, but this idea that you you can analyze everything as being through some kind of racist lens is classic critical theory, and it's designed to create division. And the left are just lapping it up, and the trendies in the inner city um, who, you know, like to think of themselves as intellectual, but they're really not very intellectual because they don't think very deeply, uh, are falling for it, and. Um, you know, I think it's 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 got to stop somewhere. And we've got to find that unity by listening to each other. And you can't, you cannot create unity if you're going to if, if you're going to consider. And I see it all the time on Facebook. I see it all the time on Twitter. The debate is so low level. You know, uh, as soon as mm. somebody puts a conservative or right wing point of view, well, you're a capitalist pig, uh, you're a racist, uh, you're a neo Nazi. You know, it just goes to this extreme uh, criticism. Which is which we've 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 got to stop, and I think it, it's it's incumbent upon us on the on the on the right side of politics to say to start selling our story better. As 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 Matthew said, maybe Matthew, you can comment on this as well. But we need to kind of 
be able to explain that, you know, we, we don't support free market economics because uh, we like capitalist pigs or we hate poor people. We support, I support free market economics because I grew up and learned that free market economics is best for the poor, you know, mm. that it's going to lift more people out of poverty. It's going to enable us to yep. provide more health care and that it has been the reason why around the world we've had such um, incredible growth uh, in, uh, in you know, longevity, life. Uh, uh, we've had, you know, reductions in infant mortality. All those markers of prosperity have gone up thanks to free market liberalism. Yep. You know, and so that's that's uh, that's the story we're going to be telling better. We let the left get away with it. You know, I had, a, I had a long interview this morning with uh, a historian and um, big big uh, radio presenter called John Loeffler in the in the US, and he's seventy years old. He's been fighting the culture wars forever. But he had an interesting theory. I'd love to hear you, what you guys think. He thinks that uh, Marxism, that classical class, uses class to to divide and then fight. Um, he thinks that critical theory is simply replacing race, uh, replacing class with race, but it's really the same impetus behind it all. Yeah, and gender and sexuality. I mean, critical race theory, critical gender theory. You know, um, the trans movement, the whole. Uh, I mean, there's you know LGBTQI. I mean, you know, uh, I, I I was involved in the in the gay rights movement in the 1980s because I had a lot of gay friends in the media, and I, I you know in those days they, they had real uh, discrimination going on. Um, Australia's become a much more tolerant society, um, and there isn't the division there. And I know a lot of conservative gay people who find uh, this LGBTQ thing a bit of a laugh because um, if you know the gay community, the lesbians don't necessarily like the gays, the gays don't necessarily like the lesbians, nobody likes the bisexuals, and everybody's skeptical of the trans. So, uh, but this is really a kind. Of, it's not. It's not a movement about human sexuality. It's not. A, it's not a rights movement for for, uh, for for people of different sexuality anymore. It's a. It's a mm. leftist neo-Marxist movement being imposed and using uh, that. Those as they always do, they just hijack everything. They hijack black rights and yeah. they hijack uh, uh, the, the gay rights and everything, and they just keep hijacking other. I started using LGBTIQAX plus uh, as a bit of a satirical reflection on the never-ending addition of abbreviations being added to this uh, acronym or list of abbreviations and. And now I'm I'm actually seeing it being used seriously around it's uh, it's being used increasingly more. X stands for uh, everything that we've forgotten and the the things we uh, you know that might happen in the future. Yeah, that's right. The, the things yeah. that we forgot. And plus stands for the things we haven't discovered yet, not just the things we haven't. It's just it's right. so mind boggling. Well, you, you know how you talk about. It's got nothing to do with gay rights. No. You know how you're talking about you have racism when you're at school? Well, the Westies would come into our school and they would write convict whores all over our station. So I think um, everyone has that when they're a kid. It's not really endemic of the culture itself, it's more like just the rubbish that kids get up to. But I will take a different approach to um, all of you gentlemen on the culture wars. I'm going to take the more Thatcher approach. And that is that some things are too important not to fight. And so with the left, when you get things like Marxism into a culture, it starts a, like a train effect going straight into basically communism in a pretty short order. That's what's happened in the countries that go down this path. They take a pretty sharp dive into poverty and eventually huge government that you can't get out of. And so if we play nice and we just go quietly, 
the government that's sitting around us will take that as a uh, as a yep open doors let's go we're going to continue rolling out our horrific plans for your future and what i think has happened in the last 10 to 20 years is that normal people have seen the bars that have been installed around them and they've realized for the first time that there's been a cage being erected around all of our businesses and around us as individuals with limitations that we didn't even know were there and rights that we didn't know the courts had taken away from us quietly while we weren't watching and to just go quietly and let this continue on i think is a serious mistake on the part of conservatives we have to do what thatcher did which is recognize the threat describe the threat properly to the rest of the people in the nation and really just go full on to declare how dangerous these politics are how dangerous it is to the minds of our children and how easily it is for a country to go from being prosperous and free into a, a kind of nightmare tyranny state. And if any of you have been following uh, this whole great reset thing that the World Economic Forum has laid out for us, which I've just started doing an investigative article on, it mm. is horrific. The people who and the businesses that have signed up to this, just it's a nightmare scenario for freedom and liberty and sovereignty. Uh, and what they've got planned. And it's not its not a conspiracy as uh, Trudeau, who's become the poster boy for it, tried to back out with. These are people who've got real projects, real funding. Then there are companies like Netflix are partnerships of the Great Reset, which we were talking about earlier. Facebook is a partner. Amazon is a partner. Apple is a partner. Almost all of the big banks are partners. All the Saudi oil companies are partners. And so we have to be super careful about it's not... It's not like Biden is the only problem we're going to face. It's a far greater global problem, and it's sprung out of things like the United Nations, which were de developed to stop socialists taking over the world. And now they're run by socialists and dictators, and they are writing policy and treaty and global ideas, which our politicians, naive and stupid as they are, are signing our nation up to without even asking us if we want to do that. And when you've got Labour and Liberal both doing it and both going along with it, there's no real choice for the Australian public to stop and say, hang on a second, we didn't agree to any of this rubbish. Hmm. Manny Goldstein here has said uh, this comment, the only way to address the leftist encroach is civil war. Nothing will stop them otherwise. The left is malignant. There are certainly an increasing number, although still a vast minority, of right-wing people who are... Uh, looking towards a not wanted but uh, perhaps they feel inevitable uh, kind of need for violence um, well, I, I do think that's a long way from yeah. necessary and i hope the further the better and i think everybody hopefully agrees with that nobody should rush towards violence and and war but here's the truth the person who is most determined to be violent will prevail now if you're trying to hold a peaceful protest if you're trying to hold a peaceful meeting such as uh, uh, you know running a tour with a conservative uh, or libertarian or, or right of center speaker and you've got violent antifa thugs protesting and willing to go to any extent out in the street to even rolling over buses as happened to an event I tried to organise in Melbourne and, and various other cities around Australia. 
you've got the police who have the legal monopoly on violence, and then you have Antifa who don't care about the law and are prepared to be entirely unlawful and violent. And it seems like the police are very reluctant to use their powers to arrest people, to bring out the water cannons, um, the Pepsican spray, the dogs, and, and actually put down these lawless people. They're willing to really let them go a very long way. And it seems like Antifa are more determined to use the violent resources at their disposal than the police. In that uh, extant policy environment, uh, I think it's uh, encouraging more people on the right to take things into their own hands. And I think that's terrible and we shouldn't. We just need the police and those who have the lawful monopoly on violence to use it to maintain law and order. Well, let me, be, oh, well let me be really clear that civil war is a signal of failure of both politicians and the police force. Mm -hmm. So once the police and politicians refuse to support the rule of law and to maintain order and to allow the conversation of politics to happen in a peaceful manner, that is when you'll get a descent into civil war. Now, a lot of our politicians don't seem to realise that violence is the natural end of politics. So if you screw up in politics, it will be settled by violence. And that is how human beings have settled their, polit their political decisions throughout all of human history. And there's no reason to assume that we will be any different. I mean, if you look at the books that were being written about the state of affairs before the First World War, at the height of the technological empire at the time, they thought that they were too advanced to resort to warfare like they used to have in the past. And they couldn't see that on the horizon were two of the largest wars that mankind would ever wage against each other. And so I think America, well, under Trump, they would have eventually gotten out of the situation because he was ensuring the police were coming in to settle this stuff out. But with Biden, if he allows Antifa and Black Lives Matter to continue burning businesses down, destroying suburbs, holding entire uh, city blocks uh, hostage, people are being killed in broad daylight by these activists, well, then you will find that people get sick of it and they start, particularly in America where everybody is armed, they will start defending themselves. And I really hope that Australia does better, although I'm not, I'm very worried about what I saw in Victoria where the police were, mm. instead of upholding the laws they should have been and people's liberties, they were being used like a police militia to oppress the people and to take away their rights. Now, that is... That's sort of the reverse of what America did, but it's going to end up with the exact same problem of civil unrest because they're being misused by the politicians. Absolutely. I actually had one of my staff members capsicum sprayed here on the steps of Parliament in Victoria on the 3rd of November. That was fun. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you're absolutely right, Ellie Melly. And I think that the, 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 you know, we've got to remember what Parliament was established for parliament was established so that we could avoid violence parliament was established so that we had a forum for discussion and a forum for debate uh and we could pass laws and we could adopt the rule of law all of these great things about our culture uh and about our history um which, which stem from the british tradition um that we've got to pay some respect to um i don't have you know british heritage in my in my lineage um but i certainly came uh from I guess, um, you know, immigrants who who uh, many generations ago had respect for, for, for the system and that's why they came here. And being someone who's worked across the Asia-Pacific region in many, many countries, uh, some of the most functional 
states in Asia are the ones that were British colonies. Um, and that's that's not to excuse, you know, some of the things that the British did that were not obviously not pleasant. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we, we shouldn't be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We should be incrementally improving um, uh, things. And I, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot, a lot to be protected and a lot to be revalued again. We've got to get bring back some sense of value and appreciation for our culture. We've lost it. Great conversation tonight. I'm enjoying this, but uh, let's bring this to a close. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you all for your final thoughts on the topics we've discussed tonight, or anything random at all that you want to just throw in there as as a thought. Uh, but before we do. I want to ask you all to save the date. Uh, the annual Church and State Summit is held on the last weekend of every February, and uh, next year is no exception. Friday to Saturday, the 26th to the 27th. Typo there, I can try and fix that, but uh, maybe you can just hear me. Uh, 26th to the 27th of February, Friday and Saturday next year. Save the date, mark it in your calendars, we will be live streaming if you can't travel, uh, but if you can, plan to come to Brisbane, stay with a friend, get some accommodation. Details on speakers and programs will be coming up. But this is a uh, not just right of centre, but a particularly Christian conference. Uh, I'm a Christian, and one of the re things that motivates me to be in this culture war is the lack of information and the lack of involvement that people like me generally have in, in uh, good public policy, which uh, to me is uh, extremely dissonant with uh, the things that Christians are meant to do in, um, in looking out for the welfare of our neighbours. And we've got 25 million neighbours that can be profoundly affected by good policy and bad policy. And uh, we need to not be observers or apathetic sitting on the sideline, but actively informed and involved in ensuring not a good outcome for ourselves, but a good outcome for our neighbours and nation. And if you'd like more information about that, uh, then the Church and State Summit is for you. And uh, it's a, a great time every year. 2021 will be the fourth annual Church and State Summit. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to announcing more details about that as they come up. Um, it will be a bit hard to get an international speaker over here this year, but we're still trying to secure some uh, great names via live video, which will still be interactive and allow for Q&A, etc. So uh, I don't think we did ladies first last time, so let's go ladies first this time. Ellie, your final thoughts for the evening. Well, I'll start by saying that I don't think that we can underestimate the danger that Marxism is going to pose to us. Uh, I've been researching the, the early Australian history and we're in a similar position uh, before the start of the First World War where a large amount of Australia's population was extremely left-leaning, uh, perhaps even more so than they are now. And we're on a knife edge politically, depending on who our leader was going to be, about whether we would even be prepared for the next conflict that was coming. And we have to worry about China and the way the world is shaping up. And I have to say, I, I'm not very in, uh, pleased with the way our politicians have been preparing. I think Christopher Pine's uh, submarines are going to get a bit of a whack from me in another article soon. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to join the culture wars to open up conversations, particularly with our youth and with their kids if they've got them. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ellie Millie. I'm on Parler, I'm on Facebook. 
I'm on YouTube, but it's mostly fandom sci-fi stuff. So uh, stick to uh, Twitter. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to support me, uh, please, I've got a link to my Kofi uh, fundraiser thing in my Twitter profile. Um, I'm trying to buy a new camera. So shout me a coffee over there if you can. And please support the good stores and, uh, and catch my new show, Curtain Call, coming this Friday. I promise, this Friday. Awesome, this Friday. Terry Walker's been uh, full of great comments tonight. Thank you, Terry. Um, that's very much appreciated. And next, let's have Damien. What would you like to wrap up with this evening? Your thoughts for wrapping the show? Um, just, just to carry on from what Alexandra said, which is that, you know, we've got to get cracking. Um, uh, and and yeah. I would say this to our conservative politicians and our politicians in the Liberal Party. Um, it's time to wake up and realise that there's a, a, a large group of Australians who are underrepresented. Um, we elected you in 2019 uh, for a reason. Do your job. Your job is to ensure that we're winning the culture wars. Uh, that's number one. If we don't win the culture wars, we lose everything else. If we lose the next election, the ABC is going to become more woke than ever. Our entire culture is going to become more uh, sucked into this sort of, you know, critical theory, postmodern nonsense. Uh, and we're not going to see a shift. We need a shift in education. We need a shift in media. Um, and we've got to make that happen. And David, uh, you know, you've spoken a lot about all of our shows and all of what we're doing uh, and been very positive and... and uh, um, you know, very kind tonight. I, I'd just like to say that, um, you know, what you've done here in just establishing this platform uh, to give us another outlet um, and to invite us on and to have us all doing, uh, having conversations like this, I hope this is the beginning of something new and something big that will just continue to grow uh, and that more and more Australians will, will get behind it. But we've got to fight this culture war. We've all got to get out there and do it. And we mustn't let the left own the good-hearted, good-natured narrative. As Matthew said, you know, we've got to tell yeah. great stories and they've got to be stories from the heart, stories about people, stories about alleviation of poverty, of making the nation wealthy and successful um, and, and of respecting our, our history uh, and where we've come from as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you for your kind words. Matthew, your final thoughts for the evening. Lucky last. Matthew Wong. Well, I think uh, the biggest lesson for me tonight is, my goodness, Damien Curie and his voice. I know I've been waxing lyrical about it tonight, but that's what I want to hear in my ears as I fall asleep at night. I'll be hitting your podcast hard. The other side, people. Uh, look, it's true. We need to wake up. That is the biggest problem in Australia today. And uh, of, I do so many interviews a week. Now I have, it's ridiculous. And they're all telling me that we're about 20 years behind the USA in terms of culture mm. wars. And we're sleeping our way. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, it's accelerating, right? They're saying mm. we are where America was 20 years ago, but it's probably five to, you know, five to 10. Uh, we are sleepwalking. We do need to wake up. But my, my concern is that we do it in the right way. We do need to start getting vocal and so on. But I worry that the same anger and the same, the same heart of, of um, discontent that's in the left the right can easily adopt as well. And I think in all of this fight, we have to remember that, that the left is actually not our enemy. I actually see them as victims of bad mm. thinking. They're actually us, but bad thinking us. They need to be saved. They don't need to be destroyed. That's not how they see us. They see the right, even though I don't think I'm on the right, but th they see the other side as the enemy who need to be destroyed or, or whatever. Yeah. So let's remember that... Uh, 
we don't want to fall into that same that same atmosphere that same heart that they have um, because I think that's the real enemy fear is you know I'm here in Melbourne the problem was not the pro Dan I stand with Dan pro lockdown people versus the anti lockdown people the problem mm. was the fear behind it all and I saw people on one side uh, and the other side both succumbing to the same fear and lobbying it at the other side so yeah let's just keep that perspective and let's win the war but let's not become like the left when we win that war well said, uh, Matthew. You've got an important voice, an important perspective, um, and uh, it's it's good and refreshing to to hear these different things. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again, and I'll probably need to keep saying it for a long time. Uh, we're occasionally accused of being an echo chamber, but we're so saturated with the uh, messages and narratives from leftist media. They don't need re-representation in, in every forum. What you need is the answer and the alternative and the honest objective discussions, which isn't particularly welcome in those forums. Um, so all three of these shows will be on The Good Source this Friday. Uh, that is The Other Side Australia with Damien Curie, The People's Project with Matt Wong and Curtain Call with Ellie Melly, and uh, they're all going to be making for a great Friday lineup. And uh, we look forward to bringing those. Thank you to all of you for being on the show tonight, uh, for your conversation and comments. And thank you to the viewers and commenters who've joined the conversation, shared the show around, and, uh, and of course, as always, the good source supporters who are helping us fight fake news. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the comments. And uh, this may be the last show for this year um, on, a, on a regular Tuesday night. Um, so stay tuned to the uh, social media channels and uh, we'll see um, if that changes. But at this stage, um, it's looking like this may be the last show for the year uh, oh, from no, Pillow Talk Live. Um, but we've I would have worn my shows. Atlas. I would have worn my Atlas if it was a Christmas show. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll do a special Christmas show just for your antlers, Ellie. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. And uh, let's say good night. And uh, we'll just play this outro. And we'll see you all later. Bye. Good night, everyone. It's time for us to do something. Nah, nah, nah.